Father, we thank you for this day and to be able to come together and to share in your holiness, to be reminded that you are set apart and that we as your children are to be set apart. Father, we want to love like you. We want to be able to have relationships that are holy, that are different and distinct. I pray that we might be men and women today who experience your love and are then, because we are consumed by it, able to share that love with others. Father, forgive us for those times this last week when we have been unloving, when we have been rude and self-seeking, when we have been impatient. Forgive us for those times when we could have been kind, but we were not. Forgive us for those times when we were boastful and proud. Our prayer is that being here today will change us tomorrow. That the bread that we have taken, the cup that we have shared, has been a reminder and has been an encouragement to us. That no matter what happened last week, there is a new week to come and a new opportunity to live and share in your love. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Can I brag on the Lord for just a minute? We talked last week about not wanting to be proud and not wanting to boast, but you read through Scripture, and especially when you look at the writings of the Apostle Paul, and he says, if I boast, let me boast in the Lord. I love that uh, Steve was talking about things that were happening here uh, Wednesday nights at a, another large group that came out for our snack packs, and again, people from here in the congregation and, and people from around the community. I was uh, looking at the people who were helping get things set up earlier Wednesday afternoon, and uh, I saw a gentleman I didn't recognize, and, and so I went up and I said, hey, thanks for coming and sharing and helping us with this, and so how did you hear about what we're doing? And he said, I go to church with you. <laughs> awesome, all right. JP, if you're here this morning, brother, love meeting you, man. Hey, that's the way it should be, where we're meeting each other and we don't even realize it, right? We don't even realize that, uh, that, that we're worshiping together and that we're sharing together, getting to meet new individuals. And so, uh, maybe you met somebody new Wednesday or maybe you were here yesterday. Uh, we hosted the Hamilton County Archery Tournament for the elementary, middle, and high schoolers. And you say, well, why in the world are we hosting an archery tournament? was well, because on Tuesday nights, one of our elders, Kevin Lee, teaches an archery class here. And he does so through a, a biblical lens as he sits down with these young and even some old archers and talks with them about how that sin, the word that we call sin, is from a Greek word that, that means to miss the mark. And he, he, he uses that and talks about it from an archer's perspective. And each week he's sharing a devotional with those young people who are there and, and with their parents. And some of those young people then compete in tournaments around the city. And, and so we hosted the county archery tournament because we're trying to think outside the box and looking for, for new ways to speak biblical truth into, into people's lives. And it's not always done the same way. 
And so I'm thankful for this different avenue that we have that's present. And so on Wednesday, we had people here who were, who were filling up food bags. And on Saturday, we had people here who were uh, shooting arrows. And uh, all of these things go together in our mission of trying to, to live out the kingdom agenda and the kingdom ethic of, of God. And then you look inside our glory, praise, and honor, and you see that, that last week, the Lord, through His generosity, helped us to raise $17,437 to, to have our own people go around the world and serve in the kingdom. This money is going to be used for short-term missions, for trips to Honduras, for trips to Dominican, for trips to Guatemala, for trips to Mexico, trips to Puerto Rico, trips to Cuba, that our own membership can go and participate in and experience life outside this country, but also be able to speak truth into the lives of others and to see how God is already working and doing some amazing things in other countries and in other cultures and other ministries. And I want to say thank you for those of you who participated in this. Anything that was given over our weekly offering went to this number. And if you weren't here last week and would like to give towards this, you can do so. Uh, you can do so at any time, in any week. And you can drop by the office or you can see one of our elders if you'd like to give special to this particular event so that we would be able to have even more funds available for those in our family who would like to go and serve. And if you were here last week, you saw that... Katie and Kevin Soto were baptized into Christ, and that was awesome, and we celebrated that. And um, we just need to brag on the Lord more often, guys. You know, God is doing some wonderful things in our midst, and it's a great thing to be able to share and to talk about, and I hope it's something that you are sharing, not just here within these walls, but outside in your neighborhoods and also where you work and where you go to school. I hope it's something that is becoming a regular part of your life. And if you see somebody today that you don't know, ask them, how'd you hear about us? If they say they've been here for years, awesome! And go find JP and introduce those two together, all right? You can do that. Hey, let's read from 1 Corinthians together, if you don't mind. Uh, we are reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can open up your Bibles. And the reason we're reading through here is because uh, we have been told that in Scripture, that because we've experienced the love of Jesus— because we've experienced the love of Jesus, that we then should love others. That that should be the way in which we live our lives. And it's because God loved us so much. And I appreciate the songs that, that Derek has been putting together over the last uh, few weeks and how we have been looking at this particular idea and trying to focus as we come in here and think about the love of God. Because unless we are able to live loved, we are not going to give love just not going to happen. And so we need to be able to feel the very love of God, to experience that, to have it in our own life, to know that we are loved beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that that love was poured out on the cross upon Jesus Christ. And that love is now seen in our lives as we understand that we have a salvation that is secured with the Spirit of God that has been placed within us. It's a wonderful thing. And it should be changing the way that we treat one another. It should change our church. It should change our classrooms. It should change our ball teams. It should change the office place. It should change this community because of the love that God has poured out upon his people. And so we're walking through 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to look at another area of love today. And what I want us to do again is just read this passage together. Love is patient. Love is kind. 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. We're going to focus in today on something that I guess it, it's what I think is our biggest problem. It's our biggest problem in the church. It's our biggest problem in our marriage. It's our biggest problem in society. And the Bible speaks a lot to it and tries to get our attention and say, now this is how you should live and this is what life should be like. And over and over again, it tries to hammer this idea home, but we just have a hard time dealing with it. Remember this picture from last week? I think I've got it on here. Remember me, how I uh, rubbed it in with my skee-ball prowess that I learned at Showbiz Pizza years ago when I was just a kid? And I don't care who it is that uh, I take on. It doesn't matter if it's a um, doctor, if it's an elder. I'll take all comers and, and do whatever it takes to make sure that, that I am successful. Remember we talked about this last week? And it's amazing how this just keeps to consume us, how we always want to show everybody else that we're number one and we're always trying to boast and we're always trying to make sure that we're looking out for ourselves because we say that is the most important thing of all. I want you to see the results of this. Look at the next passage that's going to be here on the screen. I believe it comes from James chapter 3 and verse 16. It says, whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. Remember we said last week that it's hard to love others when your eyes are always on yourself? When you're always focused on yourself, when you're always focused on what you have to have and what you want and what is your agenda. It's so difficult to have that love for those that are around us. And James says, listen, whenever you're jealous and whenever you're selfish, it causes all kinds of trouble and it causes you to do all sorts of cruel things. Just think about the way that we treat one another. Think about the emails that we send. Think about the phone calls that we make. Think about the meetings that we have. Think about the way that we walk out of rooms. Think about the way that we slam doors. Think about the way in which we roll our eyes and we huff and puff under our breath. The way in which we try to make sure that we are the ones climbing the ladder, that, that we are the ones that are being noticed. Whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. And so, last week we looked at this passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote to a, a church that was in the place called Philippi. And I want us to go back to that same area in Scripture. It's in Philippians chapter 2, and I want us to look at, at something else that he said. He said in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, the word that the apostle uses there for selfishness shares a root form with the word strife and contentious. 
It suggests a self-preoccupation hurts other people. When you have a self-preoccupation, you hurt others. You're divisive because you're arrogant. And in fact, the first century writers would use this same word to talk about a politician that used illegal manipulation or a a harlot who seduced the client, demeaning both herself and, and him. One author said that selfishness is an obsession with self that excludes others, hurting everyone. And so you look through our passage and... 1 Corinthians 13, and Paul says, it's not supposed to be that way. He said, because love is not rude, and it is not self-seeking. See, looking after your own personal interest is a proper life management, but doing so to the exclusion of the rest of the world is selfishness. And I think here in, in, in Philippians, I think it, it, it helps to look at the adverb that's there, that's, it's merely where it says to not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. You see, if you desire success, that's fine. Just don't hurt others in achieving it. If you wish to look nice, that's okay. Just don't do so by making others look bad. You want to excel on the ball field, great. But don't make fun of the player that can't hit and run as fast as you're able to. Why? Because love isn't rude. Love is not selfish. It's all about the way in which we treat each other. It's the way in which we think about one another. Because when you look at the passage of Scripture there in Philippians, Paul says it's not just about the way you think about yourself. It's also about the way that you see other people and that you realize that their interests and their desires are just as important as yours are. The Greek word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 13 for rude means shameful or disgraceful behavior. You look in our society today and it seems like we have lost all sense of shame and modesty. We've lost all sense of what would be considered proper behavior. We have Facebook rants and we have the ability to shout down people who do not vote the way that we do or think the way that we do. And it seems like any conversation is always tinged with some type of conflict because nobody wants to listen and and nobody wants to give the other person their say and and no one wants to think about the interest of, of someone else. Instead, our behavior is shameful and it's disgraceful. And yet we hear people say, but I have my rights. And yet I think God calls us to a higher concern. It's not what is my right or what are my rights, but what is loving? What's the loving way to speak on social media? What's the loving way to talk about politics? What's the loving way to express concern for someone? What's the loving way to to go about life in our homes and life in church. Do you have a right to dominate a conversation? Perhaps. But is it the loving thing to do? Do you have the right to pretend that you don't hear your wife speaking? Maybe. But is it the most loving? Is it within your rights to bark at the clerk or snap at your kids? Yes, I guess it is. But, but is it the loving way to act? Everything that we do 
when it comes to the words that we speak, to the way in which we walk, the way in which we live out our life, first and foremost, we should be asking the question, is this the loving thing to do? Is this what Christ would do? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about when you've read through the Gospels, when you've looked at the life of Jesus, if you've ever thought about him being courteous. But you look through and you try to find places where Christ was rude. It's very difficult to do. So I looked through this week and found some areas where Christ is courteous. Do you know he always knocks before entering? He doesn't have to. He owns your heart. And if anyone has the right to barge in, it's him. But he doesn't. Instead, he gently taps. Revelation 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And when we answer, he waits at the threshold to be invited in. That's what I saw him doing with the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. He did not presume on their hospitality. When they entered the house, he was just going to keep on going until they urged and they begged him to enter in. And he did so. And the astounding thing is that only days before he had died so that their relationship with God could be made whole. He died for their sins and only hours before he had defeated their very death. Angels of the universe would bow down before him and yet he says, I'm just going to continue walking unless you ask me to stay. There's no swagger. There's no demand. And then when he enters, he always brings a gift. Some bring flowers to your house. He brings the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. And when he stays, he serves. He said of himself, the Son of Man, speaking of of himself, did not come to be served, but, but to serve. And if you're missing the apron, you turn around and look, and you realize that he's the one that's wearing it. He's serving the guest as they sit, and he won't eat until thanks is offered, and he won't leave until all the leftovers are put away in baskets. He's courteous, courteous enough to tell us his name. And even more courteous, I think, to call us by our own. When we talk, he never interrupts. He could. Matthew 6 and verse 8, he speaks on how God knows what we need even before we ask him. He knows what we've done before we even ask for forgiveness. And yet Hebrews 4 and verse 13 says that nothing in all creation can be hidden from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. A God of any lesser courtesy would stop you in mid-sentence and remind you of your past foibles. Not Christ. He's not rude. He listens. He's even on time. He's never late. If you're checking your watch, wondering where he's at, maybe it's because you're on a different itinerary. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1 says there's a time for everything and Christ stays on this schedule. And you know that he even opens the door for you? Paul would say that the reason that he went to preach at Troas was because the Lord had opened a door for his message. You ever open the door for your wife? You ever open the door for that special someone? You do so out of respect and you think, man, Christ must have abundant respect for us. He knocks before he enters. He always brings a gift. Food is served. The table is cleared. Thanks is going to be offered. He knows our name. He tells us his own. And here's something else. He also pulls out a chair for us. Ephesians 2 and verse 6. He raised us up with Christ and gave us a seat with him in the heavens. You know, people can be so rude. 
people shout us down and, and people declare whatever it is they want to and in all kinds of forms and and we're reminded oftentimes about standing up for our rights and, and not letting anybody violate our rights and, and living the way that we want to live and enjoying freedom. And so we snatch parking places and we forget names. We interrupt others. We fail to show up. We don't pull out the chair anymore. When was the last time somebody pulled out the chair for you and said, here, why don't you sit at the head of the table? If it's been a long time that someone has treated you in a courteous way, if it's been a long time since someone actually treated you in a selfless manner, then why don't you let Jesus do that? Don't hurry through this idea. Instead, why don't you receive the courtesy of Christ? He's the groom. He's the groom that cherishes the bride. He's the groom that respects the bride. He honors the bride. And so let Christ do what he longs to do. You see, when you receive the love of God, you'll find that it's easier to give your own. As you reflect on his courtesy, you see that you are more likely to offer the same. And when you think about this idea of courtesy, you, you need to understand that at the very beginning it spells the word court. And it does so because in old England, to be courteous was to act in the way of the court. The family or servants of the king were expected to act and follow a higher standard. And so are we, because we are servants of the king. And it doesn't matter how everybody else talks at school. We are servants of the king. And it doesn't matter how everyone else behaves in the workplace. We're servants of the king. And it doesn't matter the hatred that is spewed in our political system or across social media today. We are servants of the king. And it doesn't matter what the world does within the body of Christ, within the church. We're servants of the king. And so let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, here's something that we need to remember. Each and every one of us wear Jesus. Galatians 3 and verse 27 says that all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And here's the deal. Those who don't believe in Jesus know that you do. And they make decisions about Christ by watching us. When we are kind, they're going to assume that our Savior is kind. When we are gracious, they assume that Christ is gracious. But when we are brash and when we are uncaring and when we are hateful and when we are self-seeking and self-serving, then what are people going to think about our king? When we are dishonest, what assumption will they make about, about our master? See, a passage that's not on here, but I would love for you to open your Bibles and, and highlight it right now, is Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. Very simple passage. And it's one that if we truly take to heart, I really believe it has the potential to change everything. It changes the way that we act. It changes the way that we treat one another. And it says simply this, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. Do you understand that dead men and women have no rights? Dead people have no rights. Dead people can demand 
Nothing. Dead people can't see that they get their way. Dead people can't make sure that their voice is heard. Dead people can't rise to the top. Dead people can't step over anyone else. Dead people can't shout and scream. Dead people can't stomp. Dead people can't pitch a fit. Dead people have no rights. You look at Jesus and you say, if anybody had the right to demand his own way, it would have been him. If anybody had the right to demand entrance, it would be him. If anyone had the right to demand to be heard, if anyone had the right to say, it has to be my way and nobody else's. And yet time and time again, he said, I don't do the things that I want to do. I do the things that my father tells me to do. Why? Dead people have no rights. And all who are baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. So we wear Jesus. Think about the difference that would take place in this church if we truly died to self. Think about the difference that would take place in your marriage if you didn't have to win and it wasn't about your rights. Think about what would happen in our society if you had men and women who were not concerned all the time about being heard and yet they were concerned about serving their fellow man. We wear Jesus. And because we wear Jesus, people see Jesus and they make determinations on who Jesus is and who Jesus is not. And they make those determinations by watching the way that we treat each other. And so guys, cool it on the social media junk. Stop it with the emails. Cool it with having to have those private meetings with that one person you just need to give a load off your mind to. Sit down with your family and have a game night. And allow everybody to get to choose what it is that they're going to play. Come to church and, and talk with those who speak a different language or of a different age. Go out in this community and, and actually spend time with your waitress or your waiter and, and ask how their day is going. Talk to the people that work above you or even work under you and maybe even apologize for the way that, that you have acted and the way that you have treated them. You see, here's the point. Courteous conduct honors Christ. It also honors his children. We are told to be wise in the way that we act with people who are not believers, making the most of every opportunity. When we talk, we should always be kind and pleasant so that we will be able to answer everyone in the way that we should. You know that when you surrender a parking place to someone, you honor them? Now, I didn't feel this a few weeks ago. I was in Nashville, took my wife to Nashville for Valentine's. It was going to be a loving event. Had to go up there for some other business anyway, and so took Miss Tanya with me, and we were going to go eat at the Cheesecake Factory. You know, that place with the menu that never ends. And there we were, a nice Valentine afternoon, and for some reason, every single person in Nashville wanted to go to the Cheesecake Factory. 
Not just any cheesecake factory, but the cheesecake factory that I wanted to go to. And so I'm driving around the parking lot and I'm starting to stalk people. It's taking me back to my days in college and, and I used to be really good, but I've gotten a little, I've gotten a little slow in my old age and, and I'd find people that were coming out that would, would have some, you know, some, some to-go boxes and I would think they've got to be in a hurry to get it to their true love. And so you would follow them and, and I remember following this one couple and they get to their car and, and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and, and they pull out. And as they are pulling out, a car coming from the opposite direction zips in. And I'm thinking, didn't you see me here? I'm here on Valentine's. I just let my wife out at the front door. And no, this is no lie. I was, I've been driving around for 25 minutes trying to find a parking place. Really? And so I... I'm getting all frustrated and finally I find a place and I'm walking in the rain and I go in, I sit down and I'm telling my bride about how much I love her because I've done all of this and I, I told her about this, this awful couple who just pulled right in in front of me and didn't care and she said, did you have your blinker on? I'm like, what do you mean that I have my blinker on? She said, would you have your blinker on letting them know that you were going to turn into that parking place? I'm like, well, No. It was obvious that I was sitting there, that I was going to turn in. Why do you have to put your blinker on? She said, you put your blinker on, they would have let you go. I'm like, no, they wouldn't. She goes, oh yeah, they, they would have let you go. You just got to put your blinker on. Really? Is that all it takes? Just put your blinker on, a little common courtesy, really? So the other day I was at Target. Thought I would try out my wife's strategy. Let me just tell you, we got some rude people in Chattanooga, all right? And it could have been one of you. I don't know. It could have been. It could have been the reason that I'm doing this lesson today, because you took my, <laughs> took my parking place. Hey, when you surrender a parking place to someone, do you know that you honor them no matter what attitude they had? When you do something as simple as return a borrowed book, you honor the lender. When you make an effort to greet everyone in the room, especially the ones others may have overlooked, you honor God's children. Courtesy, courteous conduct honors Christ. And isn't that the kind of people that we need to be? One final thing and we'll close. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Handyman of the Lord by William Borders. But he tells the story of a black man whose poverty had just left him begging for food. And he went and he rang the doorbell of a southern mansion and a, the man was told if he would go around to the back, he would be given something to eat. The owner of the mansion met him on the back porch and he said, first we need to bless the food. And he bowed his head and he said, repeat after me, our father who art in heaven. And the hungry man replied, your father who art in heaven. No, the owner, the owner of the house corrected. And he said, it's, it's our father who art in heaven. And the beggar said, your father who art in heaven. Frustrated, the giver of the food said, why do you insist on saying your father when I keep telling you to say our father? And the man answered, if I say our father, that would make you and me brothers. And I'm afraid the Lord wouldn't like it. You asking your brother, 
to come to the back porch and get a piece of bread. Common courtesy honors God and honors his children. No matter where you come from in this world, no matter what language you speak, no matter what your politics, no matter what your color, no matter what your gender, common courtesy fits everybody. And it wouldn't be right to ask a brother or sister to go to the back porch and get a piece of bread. Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Friends, the biggest problem that we have, the biggest problem that we have in our church, the biggest problem that we have in our marriages, the biggest problem we have in our communities, the biggest problem that we have in our world is self. We just haven't died and allowed Jesus to live. And so, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to allow Christ to live through you. Just as the verse that we saw said that everyone who's been baptized into Christ has put on Christ, we want to give you that opportunity. But understand, Jesus is not going to force himself on you. And even if you have been baptized, and even if your faith has been in Christ, that does not mean that you have allowed the love of Christ to be seen in the way that you treat others. And so I want to give you the opportunity. You Christian for 25 years. You new child of God. Wherever it is that you might stand. I want to give you the opportunity just to come before this family and say, you know what? I have been rude and I have been selfish. And I want to be like Jesus. Would you do that? Whatever your request might be, we encourage you to come. As together we stand and praise God.